Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mr. Oscar Olivares of MMA Underground, coming to you from Crystal Lake, Illinois. Oscar, how are you today, sir? What's going on? Very good. Thank you. Very good. Very good. Excited to have you here. Excited to to pick your brain on this business and, and figure out what it is that you guys are doing. But tell us about MMA Underground. What is what is this gym about? How do you tell other people what it is that you guys do? Well, I started MMA Underground because I wanted to help people to, uh, to trust in themselves through martial arts. Uh, I love martial arts. I've been doing it since I was six years old. Now I'm 51. Uh, I have a black belt in karate and jiu-jitsu. Uh, I practice kendo too, which is Japanese fencing. And I really love to train and teach people and, and uh, make them better, strong in the ma- mind and strong in the body, strong in the spirit. In the beginning, I opened not to not to make money, but to help people. You know? and, uh, and it's been already... 12 years since I opened and we have helped many students, people from many different backgrounds. And I think because we have always keep ourselves uh, centered and focused on our students, that's our students have been bringing more people into the gym and everything has been like word of mouth, mm-hmm. our teachings. And then after that, in the beginning, I watched myself, but then later on, uh, Coach Dylan Kowalski uh, stepped in to help me with all the conditioning, all the boot camps, all the strength training classes. He has been a great coach. People love his classes. And then recently, uh, Coach Latasha Marsola, which is a K1 uh, professional fighter. And she fought in Thailand. She has been fighting around the world. She joined the, She joined us, and now we are focusing on training all of these great fighters. Uh, we're going to do Golden Gloves in a couple of weeks. Uh, Coach Latasha has been training all the fighters to do the, uh, that. And, uh, and it's not just only for fighters. It's for everybody in general. We have yeah. kids, kids' classes, and then we also have uh, you know, 65, 70 years old people yeah. training training next to the fighters, you know? <laughs> and so, that's, that's great, uh, Oscar. And it, and it sounds like this is done mostly in classes, right? Is this yes, is classes. Yes. Everything is in classes. How many people are in a, a typical class? Well, it all depends the day. Sometimes I can have one <laughs> and sometimes we can have 25, 30 people. Uh, sometimes, yeah, where the place is crowded. Yep. But yep. the time, the days, it's always different. It, it yep. varies. How many, I guess, I'll, I'll ask it this way. How many members do you have in total? Well, we are a small gym. We have like a hundred, around a hundred. Uh, we always try to keep it, I always try to keep it small. In that way, I can teach properly, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, right now, Coach Dylan and Coach Latasha are convincing me to expand and do more things, you know, because they have more knowledge about all of those kind of things than me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Or love not to make money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We we always they, say that people get into the industry into the, to help they people. Are more right? into the into the business aspect, you know. I hear you. Yeah, so I'm I'm letting them do all of that, you know, all the all the uh, uh, videos and posting on TikTok and Facebook and all of that. They've been doing all that for me, and yep. uh, so far. We, I think uh, Latasha already have like 10,000 fans and and uh, Dylan has another 5,000 and, uh, you know, people are watching. Yeah. And now, since the, since they, like, since last year, they've been doing all of these kind of things, we've been getting more and more and more. So, hope, fi I'm going to get to the point where <laughs> I'm going to have to get another place. <laughs> A yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not getting when you when somebody when 30 people show up in one class, you're like, oh, where am I gonna put them? You know, my my place is like 3,000 square feet. So <laughs> yeah, so you guys are you're getting pretty full in terms of membership. Is there do you do you think that there's a number in your head that hey we could handle 150 people in total or 200 in total? Do you know what that that max is? Well, if uh. I mean, when we have the three of us, I think we could, but we need a bigger place. In that way, there will be different classes going at the same time. Because right now we do all the classes at some times of hours, you know? So we do like a kettlebell class, then after the kettlebell class, we do kickboxing class, then we do a boot camp, then we do jujitsu. So everything mixes or boxing, wrestling, uh, but if we have a bigger place, now that we're getting a little packed, <laughs> then we can accommodate to have different classes at the same yep. time. So yeah. we, are, we are looking now to expand. So I see. It's a matter of time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and so it, it's been an idea or a conversation that's already happened. Hey, we're going to need a bigger location at some point. Does that, do you think that you'll also have to hire additional coaches in that time? Well, uh, right now, I think uh, with the three of us, it will be enough. I think we will hire more as soon as we see more the need of it. You know? Yep. So far, it's been working good. Uh, sometimes one, one needs a vacation, the other to cover. Yep. And we take, we take turns. Sure. <laughs> Sure. And and that's necessary in a small business like this. Oscar, for you guys, how does how does a new member get started? What is when when you get a lead in from Facebook or Instagram or or wherever, what is the the typical process from the time that person reaches out to them becoming a paid member? Who's handling that sort of process? Well, I, I do all that. Uh, Dylan and Latasha, they uh, they don't want to do anything of that. <laughs> they, they just want to focus in, in in coaching. So what I do is uh, when somebody contact me or send me an email, usually everybody always send me an email or or phone call. So I let everybody know that they have three free classes before they sign up. 
I also tell them that they don't need to make an appointment. They can walk in, they can show up anytime they want. I tell them to pick a class, be there 10, 15 minutes before the class start to uh, sign a waiver and meet the coach. So I will be there to welcome them and introduce them to the coach. If, I, if they are going with Natasha, introduce Natasha with them, if they're with Dylan or if they're going with me, and then they sign a waiver and then they start taking the three free classes. Okay. And then after those three free classes, you have some sort of conversation about what sort of membership makes the most sense? Well, I can do it in the first class. Okay. Uh, I, as soon as they start the free class, then I told them, you know what? Our memberships goes from the cheapest one, $70 a month, the most expensive one, $150 a month. And then they can choose in between all the different type of memberships I have. Because you, you know, some people, they only want to do boot camps. They are not interested in jujitsu. <laughs> or some people, they only want to do jujitsu. Or some people, they only want to do kickboxing. Or, you know? And some people want to do everything. So obviously, the ones that want to do everything, they have to pay more for them. Right. To the people that they only want to go and take one class only. Right. And so we've got a couple of different membership options, three free classes, and then you have some sort of conversation steering them towards whatever that they are actually looking for. Yes. We've already kind of touched on. And then we also have contracts or no contracts. Ah, I see. Okay. Tell us about that. Let's say that uh, they want to take all the classes. So it's $150 a month if they don't want any contracts. So they can cancel at any time they want. Now we have a six months contract and one year contract. If they want a six months contract, it's $125 a month. If they want a one year contract, then it's $100 a month. I see, okay. It's a one year contract. So they have to pay for the one year or the six months. Now you don't want a contract then you pay you 150. You can select any time you want. Um, no questions asked. We're still friends. <laughs> yeah, and and so it it works out in the members' favor as well as the business's favor. We have different options available to them, uh-huh. and and so Oscar, you already touched on. As the membership grows, we're going to have to look at finding a bigger location at some point. Yes. How far out in the future is that? I think within this year. Yeah. Yeah, within this year, or I think maybe next, but by the things, the, the way they are looking, I think it's gonna, we're gonna have to start looking for a place soon. Because yeah. I, I have, a, I have a, a, a big cage, and under the cage, I have a, I have a huge professional boxing ring too that I have an ensemble because it's, I don't have the space for it. I see. Now that uh, we uh, we became members from the uh, boxing too, for boxing, and we're teaching boxing classes. Now we need to assemble the boxing team. <laughs> the boxing. Yeah. Uh, so we, yeah. we need, need a, a, a bigger bigger space for it. So yeah. Uh, and so let me ask you this then: How big do you want to take this business? What's the what's the long term vision for you? Well, uh, yesterday I was talking to Latasha and uh, and uh, she wanted to have, you know, she has the big dreams of having all the these 
big gyms and chains and have different and different gyms. And I was like, whoa, 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 I don't want this to grow up like a McDojo, you know? <laughs> to have many, but don't be good at it, you know? I want to have one big one that is good, that we feel confident. And if we feel confident about that, and then we have great coaches or great students or great fighters, then we can start opening a second one and use our people to move to the next location. Yep. But I say, step, little steps, you know, when I started my business, I started in my basement with one person. I, Certainly uh, come a long way. <laughs> yes. I started in my basement with one person. Then I have to then that person. And, and that's why the name underground, because when we, I took this student to compete, he says, okay, let's go out of underground to kick some butt. So he always called the, my basement the underground. So then when I opened my location, that's why I put him MMA underground. Because <laughs> yes. we, we came from, from nothing, to from one student to now, now this one. Yeah. And, so, and so Oscar, for you guys growing this business moving forward, what do you think is going to be the biggest hurdle for you? What do you think is going to be the hard part? Well, I don't see this as difficult or hard because it's something that I love. Uh, when you love something, yeah, uh, you work hard for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so I say, uh, you know, when uh, when you do the, the the martial arts training at the end of the, the, the practice, the students always clean the gym, right? They clean the gym. Mm -hmm. So it's been all of these twelve years where. I still cleaning my gym, yeah. <laughs> Even though I have the money to pay for somebody to clean it, then but I clean it myself just because of of the love I feel for the place to keep it neat, to keep it tight. If yeah. something breaks, I'll fix it. I ensemble every, I hang bags, I ha I do it all the all the uh, all the work myself. So I've been I also, I train my fighters. They've been winning a lot of competitions. That's why we've been growing because they've been winning. And uh, so I don't think there's going to be any difficulties, challenges, yes, but every, everything in life is a challenge. And, uh, and as long as you love what you do, then so, some people say that a, work, a job is not a job when you love what you do, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. And, and so you mentioned that there will be challenges. What do you think those challenges will be? Well, you know, I cannot count for other people because sometimes we have fighters that are great, you know, they, they have all their thing, and then suddenly we send them to compete and they quit. And they're like, dude, I just spent four years on you training you. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. What's going on, you know? <laughs> I have uh, fighters or, or fighters that they've been doing so good that then suddenly the big gyms, they see them as, oh, they go and they steal them from us. They steal them from me, you know? So I spent four years training one guy and then suddenly somebody else comes and says, you know what? I have the chance to put you into the UFC. Let's go, come and train with me and you'll see, I'll get you to the UFC. And then they take him away from me. And then uh, you see that like, there's sometimes not loyalty mm. from people nowadays, you know? So yeah. that's, 
those are the hardest things. I cannot, I cannot put, uh, uh, I'll, uh, I cannot say no. Oh, no, please don't leave. Or no, I, I trained you for all of these years and now you're leaving or you're getting so good and how can you do this to me? You know? I just have to let them go. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and then I just have to keep working on it, you know? Okay, There's okay. always more people that we can help, right? Exactly. Now I have to train another person for three, four more years. <laughs> <laughs> make them go to the point where uh where uh, where where they are ready to fight but uh mostly all my all the what keep mostly the business is is the the classes that dylan does and natasha do you know all the um uh, boot camps conditioning strength training all of those classes yep. are what brings more people yeah and uh, and obviously we want to have more fighters, but as I yeah. say, we cannot. This that's that's the only challenge. Yeah. How do you keep someone <laughs> to stay with you, even though sometimes even though if they're winning, you know, if they're winning and they move, I say, why do you want to move? You're winning here. I mean, why? Why? Oh, they offer me to go to the UFC or they offer me to go this. Well, yeah, we can offer you the same thing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, Oscar, my, my experience is that amateur fighters also usually don't have a ton of money. And so it's hard to, to generate revenue unless they make it to those higher levels. And so we need to balance that with the boot camps, the, the conditioning classes, things like that. Exactly. Yes. Yep. Oscar, uh, as we start to approach the end of our time, at least on this interview, where can people find out a little bit more about the gym? Is there a website? Yes, we have a website. It's www.mmaunderground.info. Yeah. Mmaunderground.info. That's perfect. Oscar, I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit about what you guys do to grow your business and how you're effectively keeping your doors open for 12 years and going. I, I really appreciate your time and, and I wish you nothing but the best moving Thank forward you. here. Thank you very Absolutely. much. To everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer and make more money, Head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I am here with Snipe from Dream Bodies Fitness Training in Minnesota. What's up, Snipe? How are you today? I'm fine, Brianna. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it. So this is my first podcast, so you'll have to guide me. I'm in your hands. <laughs> 
no worries. Don't be nervous. It's all good. We're just going to kind of have a, a conversation about the business and, and some of the things you've learned along the way. So no worries there. Um, all right. So let's dive right in here. What is it that made you want to get involved in the fitness industry and start your own training business? It was sort of uh, by accident. What happened was when I was a teenager, a woman came up to me in a department store asking me to be in her fashion show. And I said, I don't do that. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and then she kept insisting until I finally agreed to do it. And so they told me what to do. And I did it. My father came, watched the show, told me what the response was like. It was very positive. And all of a sudden, that's what I was doing. I had signed with an agency. I was too skinny. And they said, you have to work out. I was a size 37 chest. I needed to be a size 40. So I had to work out. And, and so there's only one gym in town. This is back in the eighties. There's only one gym in town. And it was opened by someone who came in from New York and opened it. And people were going there to work out. Other than that, the only weight training was at a YMCA. Mm -hmm. And that was it. There are no health clubs yet. And so I drove past it for about a week or two, trying to get up the confidence to go in because I thought it'd be really terrible. And it was worse than I thought. The owner was angry. The staff was angry. The environment was a dog-eat-dog. -dog. You have to fend for yourself. You asked for any help in any way. They yelled at you. It was just really a bad environment, as I expected. But then another gym opened up on the other side of town. So now there are two gyms in town. The other one is more user-friendly. So I switched to that one and started working out. Mm -hmm. So it got to a point where the agency told me, stop working out now. You're getting out of size because size matters because you have to fit the clothes. And I said yep. I would, but then during the summer, I was kind of bored. And I kept working out and entered a bodybuilding contest. And there was the uh, Mr. Northern Star. And I won the junior division. And I... Uh, was runner up in the open division and the girls they hired to hand out the trophies happened to be people I've worked with from the agency. It's like, Snipe, what are you doing here? So each time I got a trophy, then it was like I was having conversations with them and they're also giving out trophies for body parts. So it's like a lot of conversations. I got back to the agency that I hadn't stopped working out. So we ended up parting ways. And then maybe a year or two later, maybe a year later, they called me to come back saying, we've opened a fitness division and it's okay for you to look that way now. And so that's, so they got me started working yeah. out. And so then I kept competing and eventually that segued into training because people kept asking me to help them. And I got trained and certified through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Mm -hmm. And back then, all the tests were essays. So either you knew the answers or you didn't. Mm -hmm. And you had to qualify by demonstrating how many years you, I mean, how many hours you had in the field. And you had to have letters of recommendation. And you had to pay money to apply just to be considered. So it wasn't as easy. As yeah, it right. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. And I started working. I mean, so I, I was working part-time as a personal trainer. And all this time, I was also working third shift in the personal in the uh, computer industry as a computer technician. So I was working third shift, getting paid shift differential, lots of overtime. And then at daytime, I do whatever I wanted and sleep in between. So that's when I pursued the personal training. And when, it's about 1989 when I went full time with the training business. 
and left the computer job altogether. And I downsized my life to have fewer expenses and whatnot. And that's when I went full time. And I've been doing that ever since. And I've seen all the uh, transitions happening with the fitness industry since I was there while all of it was going on. What happened with gyms at first is that when the health clubs start happening because of Nautilus equipment, that created mm -hmm. the entire industry because it created a non-threatening way for people to exercise in public. Right. And so the YMCA upgraded with Nautilus, then places started opening with Nautilus. There was also something called Jazzercise, which was taught in separate aerobic studios. Uh, and gyms started adding aerobic studios to their facilities to have both uh, Nautilus and aerobics. So that was the main thing people were looking for. Mm -hmm. And to be a trainer, Back then, you had to be a bodybuilder because no one would believe you could help them. Despite your certifications, they wouldn't believe you could help them if you haven't changed your own body in some way. Right. Because there are a lot of people who can say the right things, but if they don't look like they've applied it to produce a result, no one would believe you. Mm -hmm. And so for a while, only bodybuilders were trainers until functional training came along. And that made the industry grow significantly because anyone of any body type could come into the fitness field now because there was no way that the consumer expected someone to look if they're teaching them how to balance, you know, for balance and core work. And, right. and so a functional training was necessary because the population becomes so deconditioned that we needed to get them in shape to be able to work out. And so that opened up a lot of possibilities uh, for a lot of businesses with that being something to do aside from look, you know, looking like you're fit you didn't have to to teach that and right. it's kind of bridging the gap between physical therapy and working out so things kind of exploded for the industry but people started expressing dissatisfaction with what their what trainers look like and they wouldn't trust them to help them and whatnot but i think that's kind of people calmed down a little bit as they've gotten more into uh, functional training as people get older then they think more about function than what they look like. So they're not quite as concerned about that, but they're still more motivated by someone who walks their talk and proves that their talk works. Yes, absolutely. So for gym owners, it'd be really important to hire people who look like they're in shape because you can charge more money because people will believe you a bit more. And there's so many trainers that speak technobabble at their clients like they just learned a new language and the clients look lost but the trainers who do this often don't have a body to match what they're talking about and so the, while they're being impressed intellectually the clients are still looking the trainer up and down and not feeling convinced that the person can help them and so yeah. the ideal for a, a gym employee would be someone who looks the part and has technical knowledge as well the and it's not even a unicorn. There are plenty of people out there who fit both, both ideals. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm sorry. I don't mean to go on and on and on. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, personally, I got started in the fitness industry because of fitness competitions as well. You know, it's like I used to compete um, in a natural bodybuilding federation and once I started doing that and people see the transformation that you make with your own, then it's like, I want to do that. 
and they naturally come to you and they want you to help them, you know? And it's like, and that's how I got started in fitness as well, because so many people were like, I want to do that. I want to transform my body. How did you do it? Help me, you know? And then it just kind of snowballs from there. Um, so I can, I can definitely relate to that aspect of it. It, it makes things easier for you as a trainer, you know, because then people just come to you and, and want your help because you walk, you walk or is it you? Yeah. You walk the talk, walk talk, the talk. Walk, whatever it is, yes. <laughs> whichever way it goes, you know, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, but yeah, that, that certainly helps, you know, it's, it's harder to kind of convey the message to somebody if you're not doing what you're saying, you know? Yes. Um, so now today within your business, are you doing uh, personal training sessions, semi-privates? Are you doing any group classes? How do you structure things within your business? In the past, I traded new classes. Like uh, I worked through an an aerobic studio that added a personal training room. And so I did personal training for them with their clients there. And then I added a class, a studio class. And the studio class I called muscle conditioning. It was the opposite of the aerobic classes where it was all work and no dance. And there's a lot of resistance because I wasn't part of the aerobic family. I didn't take aerobic classes. So they resented, what is this, what is this gym guy doing thinking he can teach a class here? But the class took off. It's very successful. It was written up in Minneapolis St. Paul magazine, and they described it as being um, the literally the opposite of an aerobic class, where there are a lot of men in there, and you're doing work instead of dancing. And so it was uh, popular for that reason. And I also created a boot camp, VIP boot camp, which you know, was sledgehammers and ropes and tires. And I was the first in Minneapolis to do that. I didn't try to seek any press for it. I just, just did it. And then someone from the uh, Y, an administrator from the Y was taking my boot camp and she said, we don't have anything like this at the Y. We should get something. So eventually they got it and then they got press first for it, but I had my chance and I missed it. I didn't go for it. So then yeah. it started spreading with everyone doing sledgehammers, tires, ropes, that sort of thing. And so the thing about what group training does or classes do it gives people a lower price point to see if they like you, like working with you before they decide to make a bigger expenditure for personal training. Mm -hmm. It's like taking a, a tennis workshop with 30 people, then deciding, I like this instructor, maybe I'll do a smaller group with them, or I want to do one-on-one -on -one with this instructor, but not that instructor. So it's a way to, it's a, a sample plate of right. people to work with by taking classes. So that's why I started doing that. And it did pull personal training clients in giving them, giving more people a chance to see what I'm like and what I do. And I also have gotten referrals from people who've taken my classes, but never even personally trained with me just because of what they've experienced in classes. So it's a good idea to do more than one thing if you can. Right mm -hmm. now, I just do personal training. I train out of two facilities and there are two types of structures. One facility is a gym gym and you just pay rent and you do your own thing. And the other is a training studio. Uh, it's a training studio for trainers where the business has their own trainers, but they rent to independent trainers who just come in and use the same space and equipment, even though they're not staff. And okay. there's a different dynamic in each of those environments, as far as working with clients, if you're training someone in a gym gym, 
they're surrounded by onlookers who can see every mistake they make, everything they can and can't do. And so they're going to be a little more self-conscious in that environment. Whereas if you're training in a studio, it's only other clients being helped by trainers. So you don't feel like you're pathetic because you need help. Right. You don't, you're not comparing yourself to everyone. So it, it's a different culture in those environments for the best. Okay. If someone, if a gym has trainers that even if a gym just has staff trainers, they need to think carefully about how the staff trainers work amongst their regular clientele who are lifting on their own, because there can be friction. There's a difference between the way the general population works out, which is nomadic, where they just do a few sets on a machine and they move on. That's constant motion. Whereas mm -hmm. trainers in a studio situation, they plant themselves in an area for a while to be space efficient. And so if a trainer does that on an open gym floor, then people complain about them being in the way because they're in one spot too long. And there was a circumstance at the, um, well, this example at the aerobic studio, when they had a, added a gym gym for real, there was a trainer who trained four people at a time on Saturday morning, 8 a.m. prime time, and he would grab four of everything and do a giant circuit for four people. So he'd grab all four incline benches, all for this, all for that. And they're only moving four at a time from station to station. And people kept complaining to the owner about this who didn't do anything. And finally they mutinied and ripped apart his stations and just took what they needed while he stood there helpless. Oh man. And it, it just, so it, you can't just thumb your nose at the general members because there are personal trainers there because those are future, future personal training clients that you could make more money from if you don't rub them the wrong way. So right. it's important to work within that environment. And so something that should be developed in the trainers that a gym has or that they hire is someone who can work compactly with a smaller footprint rather than someone who sprawls all over the whole gym. There are trainers who will do a 20 minute circuit uh, uh, superset for one person tying up a room full of equipment Right. And then there are people who can train four people. There are trainers who can train four people in a little 10 by 10 area because they're very efficient at what they do. And the more efficient people are, the more trainers you can fit into that space, the more money you can make per hour or per square foot because less space is being wasted. Right. Exactly. That's why, you know, in those larger facilities, it's important to have a space for personal training. You exactly. know, just for personal training so that you kind of avoid a lot of those issues that come up, you know, people feeling uncomfortable because other people are looking at them or being in the middle of the space and taking equipment from people that are trying to do a circuit or, you know, it's, it just kind of eliminates a lot of those issues if you can have just a personal training uh, area, you know, just dedicated to personal training alone, just so that some of those things don't come up. Yes, it's true. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I noticed in all the different scenarios I worked in, there were no rules given out to the trainers in advance yeah. as far as, uh, you know, any, about anything. And so they would only tell somebody they couldn't do something after they'd done it. And some things are no-brainers, like you shouldn't sneak off with the gym's clients to train them somewhere else right. to avoid like, giving them their cut. But there are things... They just had no rules about anything in any way whatsoever, and it would protect a business 
if they do any kind of paperwork to include a non-compete clause so people don't try to uh, leave all of a sudden and take all your members with them. It's one thing if a trainer says they're leaving and their clients follow them, that's like following your barber or your beautician from one shop to the next, which is normal. But if someone tries to strip mine your business of all its members when they open a gym of their own, that's the kind of thing you want to protect yourself with somehow with yes. life in, in your paperwork if you do that. Mm -hmm. And then um, boundaries as far as what's considered poaching clients from other trainers, because a lot of problems happen in gyms when trainers approach other trainers' clients and try to woo them away. It's like approaching someone else's spouse. Right. And clients may want to change trainers but uh, on their own, but you just have to make sure that there's no soliciting other trainers' clients. And if the other trainers' clients approach you, the appropriate thing to do is to tell the trainer they're training with, your client so-and-so asked me about training, about training with me. I wanted to talk to you first to... Uh, to see if there's any insight you can give me on on, on them. Uh, I had a, uh, there was a circumstance where I got a client that had trained with another trainer previously and the trainer still worked at that facility. And I called the trainer, left her voicemail and said, your client, Sandy, that you used to train has booked a session with me to train, start training, uh, I don't know, uh, Wednesday morning. And she says she really likes you a lot. I want to give you a heads up so you're not blindsided when you see her, so you have a chance to say hello. And she was very gracious message back from her, thanking, thanking her. And she came in and said hello to the client. So it was a smooth transition right. for the client to not feel afraid of changing trainers. Mm -hmm. And I started doing that because what happened when I first started at that aerobic studio, the owner was just giving me clients to train and they just walked in ready to train. I didn't know anything about them. Mm -hmm. And the first session with a client, her old trainer came in yelling at her, what are you doing? I thought we were friends. How could you do this to me? Big oh, yelling <laughs> because the owner didn't tell him that she was going to be training with someone else and didn't tell me that he had trained, that she had trained with someone else. So we were all put in an awkward position and right. it's the only job to facilitate that transition so everyone's on the same page. Mm -hmm. And so it's really a big deal as far as training other people's clients. And if you can just have some rules in place and some uh, standards that address that, you can eliminate a lot of personnel problems. Because the biggest yes. headache for business owners is the trainers being prima donnas or seeming to be prima donnas because they can't get along and always butting heads over things. But if you mm -hmm. have enough structure and accountability in place, you can avoid all those problems and just focus on building your business instead of yeah. settling disputes. Right. Absolutely. I mean, structure is huge in every part of the business and whether people like to admit it or not, they like structure. You know, people thrive with structure. And one of the things in my gym was it was drama free and they knew it. You know, I've sent people home before because they came in with the wrong vibe. You know, if their energy is off, they're down, they're, you know, they're throwing off the vibe of the whole place. I would send them home. You know, I'd rather work a double than have somebody come in and be throwing off the vibe of the entire studio. You know, the people that come in, this is their escape. This is their happy place, you know? So there was zero tolerance for any type of drama, any type of negativity, any type of bad attitudes. It was like, not here. 
you know? Um, so that is super important, you know, as a gym owner, if you do have trainers that are coming in to make sure that you're laying those ground rules down on day one and setting those expectations and putting that structure in place so that, I mean, the last thing you want to have to worry about is like you said, like the prima donnas, the drama, the, you know, that's the last thing you want to have to deal with. So kind of avoiding that in the beginning is a big deal. Something that was, that's also helpful is to introduce new trainers or the, well, what was happening at one look at the aerobic studio is that they just simply a new trainer would simply walk into the back room and you wouldn't know who they were you know, into the, mm. you know, like a locker room or, and a new trainer would just walk in and we wouldn't even know who they were. We'd have to introduce ourselves. So they were just being thrown to the wolves when yeah. the owners could say, send us a text or an email. We just hired a new trainer. His or her name is such and such there. Your specialty is da, 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 say hello when you see them, just right. to smooth things over instead of it starting out on a, on a bad foot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So now as far as your business and your goals, what yeah. are you looking to do? What are your main focuses for your business this year? And then in the future, where are you looking to take this thing in the future? The goal is still to open my own facility. I have a location then I'm going to start doing the group training and classes out of, but it's different from a uh, personal training studio or the gym gym. So I have that lined up and it's a matter of getting enough volume to justify uh, opening my own place. I just need the volume there. And with COVID putting a damper and everything, every time there's a new variant, everyone's scared again and they have masks that they have to wear, <clears throat> have to wear and people, I want to get to the point where people don't have to wear a mask or it's optional to really feel comfortable doing that because the workouts are hard and people don't really want to wear a mask if they have to breathe that hard. It'll be hard to build a, a business when it's hard to breathe. Yeah, absolutely. So the goal absolutely. is still to open my own place because every gym has some good things and the ideal is to build your own space that has the best of all worlds yes yeah absolutely so now as far as acquiring new clients and building up that volume how do you go about doing that what does your marketing look like how do you get the word out there about what you do to acquire those clients and set yourself up to be in a really good spot to actually open that facility I need to do more than I'm doing because I've been primarily relying upon word of mouth because my reputation has always brought me clients of, in the gossip columns, the newspaper called me vanity broker, Snipe Myers, because I change people. And then I was written up in the 2004 Men's Journal Magazine, Top 100 Trainers in America. Um, I, so I, I get press and sometimes I go on the radio. So I get, mm -hmm. more, I get more clients that way from media than from social media. And that's something I need to work on a bit more. And so I'm not really that involved in social media and it's definitely an area where I need to improve. Okay, yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of facilities really do rely on referrals and word of mouth for growth, which those are great. You know, we love those because those people come in, they already know what you do. They're pretty much ready to sign up and, and commit to training. Um, 
However, it's not really something that we can track or that we can rely on on a monthly basis. It's, it doesn't tend to be consistent. So if we can't track it, we can't grow it. So if you can get into a situation where you can um, track things, I mean, my favorite form of advertising is through Facebook. Facebook advertising, you know, because it is something that we can track. It, it allows us to really target and get really specific about who it is that we want in the facility. Uh, you can get it down to a science where it's like, okay, if I spend X amount of dollars, I can expect to see X amount of people showing up, uh, becoming clients, you know, on a monthly basis. So it makes it really much easier to plan the growth of the business. So that's definitely my favorite way to advertise i always say it's really good to have multiple poles in the water um the word of mouth the referrals the facebook advertising google instagram posts you know any as many as possible really because we always want to acquire new clients help more people you know at the end of the day that is the goal help as many people as we possibly can uh so definitely a plus to have multiple poles in the water as far as getting the word out there goes I plan to have more poles in the water. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And then that helps really expedite that growth and set you up to have that solid foundation to open the facility, you know, and that's a, a mistake that a lot of people make in the beginning when they do want to open a facility, you know, they don't have that really solid established base of clients before they open the facility. And then of course, when you do open a gym, there are a lot of costs involved and then overhead comes into play and it's like, okay, now we really need to make sure that we're getting enough clients to be able to keep the doors open. And then it just kind of becomes like a race, you know, we're just trying to get as many people in the door as we possibly can to be able to pay the bills and it gets really stressful. So if you can acquire that really solid base and have that group of clients that you can then just move into the facility, then that is ideal yes so. all right so now um i know we've provided a couple of different pieces of advice to personal trainers along the way but if there's one thing that really sticks out to you that you've learned over the years being a personal trainer and uh you know a piece of advice that you could provide to other personal trainers out there other people who are considering kind of doing the same thing that you're doing what would that be the most important thing that people are looking for is not exercise. You're actually in the validation business where people are seeking validation for, for what they've achieved or for where they're at, or that's okay for them to try to get to the next level. People can get exercises just online or on a video, but it's about the connection and support that pushes them toward the goals that they're after. And for gym owners, Gym owners need to remember that they're in the hospitality business and how you say hello and goodbye to clients is critical. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. That's a great piece of advice. You know, something that I always say is that a lot of times members, clients, they're, they're not always looking for fitness. You know, they need accountability. They need somebody pushing them to the next level. They need somebody cheering them on, supporting them, showing them how to get there, uh, keeping them accountable. You know, it's like, like you said, they can find exercises anywhere. You know, you can hop on Google and, and search up any type of workout that you're looking for and it'll come up instantly for free, you know, but how many people are doing that? You know, they need somebody there saying, okay, this is what we're going to do today. And, and being there, expecting them to show up, holding them accountable. And like you said, validating them 
and and making sure that they know that it's okay to take that next step and that they are capable of taking that next step and getting to the level that they're looking to get to. Um, so that's that's a really great point and something super important to keep in mind, you know, especially that that connection, providing that support system and that friendship and connection with people is is really what most people need. Yes. All right. Awesome. So now as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? I just have, I don't have a business account, but just Snipe Myers on Facebook, S-N-Y-P-E-M-Y-E-R-S. And then my website's dreambodies.com. Perfect. All righty. So Snipe from Dream Bodies Fitness Training in Minnesota. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so great having you on the show. Thank you, Brianna. It's a lot of fun. Good. Absolutely. And to all of the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, make sure you keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, one of the owners of Buckhead Elite Training Studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Jay Broxton, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. I'm very happy to be here with you guys today. Fantastic. I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to be with us. Let's dive right into it. Tell us what Buckhead Elite Training Studio is all about. Look at Training Elite Studio. It's a studio where we train athletes and pretty much from all walks of life. We've got entertainers, NFL, NBA, NBL, soccer players. There's um, no telling who they see in there. We've got a lot of people that come through those doors. Kids as well. All right, so you're training training all walks of life, all ages, all all populations, demographics, um, yep. and it's almost exclusively in a one-on-one setting. Say it one more time. Is it all? Is it exclusively one-on-one setting training? Yes, uh, we do give our trainers the opportunity to train at least two to three people um, at a time, but no more than two to three people at a time, just for space aspects to make sure everybody's comfortable and everybody has enough room to move around and do what they need to do. Awesome. All right. So give me a little background. How did you end up 
in the position where you could become a partner in the studio. What's your history as far as industry training before you became uh, one of the owners of Buckhead Elite? Gotcha, yeah, I started training, man, maybe, I would say maybe 13 to 14 years ago. You know, I was in the gym, actually in school, in college at Georgia State. And um, after school, I would go work out at the YMCA. And in the gym, everybody would always come up to me and say, well, I have questions about training. Like, how do I get my chest like that? Or how do I get my arms like that? Or, you know, what exercises do I need to do for my abs? And this older guy in there one day was like, Jay, maybe you need to start charging for that information. And everything kind of just played its role and worked itself out because maybe two or three months after that, um, I was actually in the real estate. I was buying houses, renting them out, um, you know, doing mortgages. This was before the whole housing market crash. And in the process of doing that, I met this guy who was starting a training company. And um, I latched on with him. He kind of taught me the ropes. We would get out in the bucket area and pass out flyers. Uh, you know, pitch, you know, we had a sales pitch that we would pitch for people, pass out flyers, and our goal was to get, you know, 15 to 20 numbers a day. So we got 15 to 20 numbers a day. That's about at least 100 numbers a week. You know, and at the end of the week, we would call all those people and try to get them scheduled to come in and do a free session, free session and consultation. And we know all those 100 numbers maybe half of them will answer. And out of the half will answer, we can get at least, out of those 10 to 15, we can close five. We had a system where we can close five people a week. You know, that's 25, 30 new clients per week coming into rotation. And so that's how I kind of started. And I worked with him for maybe a year or two. And um, he kind of convinced me to kind of branch off and do my own thing. And, you know, I kind of came up with my own name and got my own flyers and repeated the whole process that I learned through him with getting out, passing out flyers, shaking hands, you know, meeting people. Um, and I had the same goal, you know, at least, you know, 15 to 20 numbers a day. And I knew once I get somebody that flyer, most people would take them and, you know, walk, keep walking and wouldn't be interested. But we had a rule that if they stopped and looked at it, we had five seconds to say the right thing to catch their attention, you know, and, uh, you know, I ended up meeting the right person, was in the right place at the right time, met the right person, got, ended up getting one kid. He played football at one of the private schools here called Marist. And um, his kid came and I started training his kid and he liked it so much, he asked, could his friends come the next day? And this was during the summertime, you know, doing offset. So the next day, his buddy came, and the next day, his buddy bought a friend, and the next day, his buddy bought a friend, and by the end of the week, had like seven to eight kids, you know, and then from there, it just took off, you know, it took off. I had at least 25, 30 kids, you know, from private schools around the area, and we would mostly work out at the field, because they were middle schoolers, so, you know, they weren't really lifting weights yet at the time so we would mostly work on speed and agility you know footwork and all of that stuff and uh you know my kids climbed through you know it went from you know 20 to 30 to maybe 40 to 50 kids over the next you know two three years 
um, ended up getting one of the kids' parents. So one of most of the kids' parents thought I only worked with kids. So one of the parents asked that I work with adults, and um, I started training one of the kids' moms, and you know that mom, you know, was like, "Hey, I got a friend," and she was being sarcastic. She was like, "I got a friend that has a small gym in their house." You know, would you mind coming to the house to train her? So I'm like, no, you know, whatever size it is, I can make it work. You know, and I end up going in this lady's house, and she had like a 10,000 square foot mansion. Like, huh. yeah, man. And, you know, her husband was, uh, you know, had his own business, ended up selling it for like a billion dollars or something like that. And, you know, they were well off and started training her, and she was like, hey, my beautician who owns a chain of salons looking for a trainer and started training her and the beautician was like, hey, a friend of mine's just looking for a trainer and her dad ended up being one of the founders of Bank of America. So I just her and she was like my designer, you know, who designs all of our houses looking for a trainer. So the network just kept connecting like that, man. And pretty soon I had, you know, a whole little connection of these little ladies that live in Buckhead and and all of those ladies to this day still works out with me. This was every bit of, you know, 11, 12 years ago. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, man, and start training all those ladies and was rent space. You know, most of them had gyms. 90% of them had gyms in the house. And so I used the gym for the kids, you know, to go in, you know, two days we would do speed and agility outside of the car. Um, and, you know, two, three times a week we would go in and do strength training. And so I was renting out the space um, for years. It just, it may have been 2017, 2018. I think it was March 2018. Um, the space I was renting out, the two owners that owned it, um, this guy named Scott and uh, my business partner, Bo. And Scott ended up doing getting this deal out of California. And he jumped on it. And, you know, he came to me. And he went to all the friends in the gym. Um, and I all of them turned it down. So he came to me and was like, hey, man, come up with this set price. You know, I got a set price for you to take over the gym. So you take over, you got access to the phones, you got access to walk-ins. Um, you can set it up and, you know, put a nutrition station or sell food, shakes, whatever it is. You can set it up how you want. You know, you can take over the gym. Uh, it's got $120,000 worth of clients already in the rotation that are willing to switch over from me and switch to you if you you know if you're willing and i was kind of hesitant at first because of the price and so i had a conversation with a lot of my clients because a lot of my clients were like stay-at-home moms and their husbands all had their own businesses and sold businesses and you know my businesses build them up and sell them so i had a few conversations with them to see if that was a good idea and about 90 percent of them was like do it, you know, do it. So I did it, jumped on it, gave them the fee, and um, like I said, within four months, you know, I made my money back that I paid him within four months, and it was just the best decision I ever made. And you know, we, now we're still growing, but uh, we got, like I said, three or four trainers, and me and my business partner still trained as well. Awesome, man. What a story. So on the topic of growth and what that looks like for you now, I want to hit that from, 
from two angles. You as a trainer, what does it look like? Are you booked out? Are you on a waiting list? Like, are you taking new clients or are you, you full? And unless you, unless somebody moves or goes away, you're kind of tapped out. Um, I will take a new client, um, but it's, it's kind of parameter set now because before COVID I was burnt out and I was getting burnt out and I get there at 5 a.m. Um, and I was doing all hour sessions, uh, 5 a.m. And I was going all the way to 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m., sometimes 8 o'clock at night. So I was making good money, but I was burnt out. I was there all day, every day. And one of the guys in there that trains in there, he would do two or three sessions in my one-hour session. He was like, Jenny, you're doing too much. Why are you doing an hour? They don't need a whole hour, you know, unless it's a bodybuilder. Unless it's a bodybuilder and they're trying to build, you know, mass or, or, or put on a bunch of muscle, you don't need a whole hour. Somebody's trying to lose weight, eat 30, 35 minutes. Hit trains. Give them one or two breaks in between and keep them moving. Put them on the, after 30 minutes, put them on the treadmill. So I changed my business model up to the 30-minute sessions. And right after doing that, COVID hit. You know, COVID hit, everything shut down. Um, and once we did open back up, the few clients that start coming back, I put them in 30-minute sessions back-to-back, 5 a.m., 5.30, 6, 6.30, 7, 7.30, 8, 8.30, 9, 9.30. So 12, 31 o'clock, I'm out of there. We charge the same price, still making the same amount of money, if not more than I was being there from 5 a.m. to 8 o'clock at night. So now my last client on Tuesday, Thursdays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Fridays comes for that 1230. 30 to 1, 1 o'clock, I'm out of there. On Mondays and Thursdays, I do have this kid that comes out of school. He can get there at 4 o'clock. So Mondays and Thursdays, I'll stay to 4, and we go 4 to 430, I'm out of there. So I love that model because uh, I pack everybody in from Five to twelve thirty, back to back to back to back to back to back to back, and I'm out of here. Still doing the same amount of clients a day, still making the same amount of money, if not more. And now I'm able to pick my son up from school. You know, my son just started kindergarten. It gets out at two fifteen every day. So now I'm able to leave, pick him up from school, and you know, go to his basketball practices and all of that stuff, and not stuck in the gym all day. Fantastic, and I, I think that. It's great to hear somebody talk about changing the model and not just changing it for the sake of how do I work less or how do I make more money? One of the things that always comes up and eternally will for personal trainers is, all right, I only have so many hours in the day. How can I scale? So some will go to the semi-private model. Um, some will, you know, try to become a manager and, and get a little bit off of, you know, trainers that are under them or a business owner. And, yes. and those are all viable options, but switching to a shorter, but still effective time frame, and knowing that your value, right? You said you didn't change your prices. You just said, hey, this is all you need. You're paying me for results. You're not paying me for the time you spend in the gym. Like if anything, you're giving someone more value. It's, hey, you want these results? This is how much it costs. Are you cool with spending less of your day here or less of your time with with me barking at you, like even if it's some treadmill time or whatever it is. So you're showing more value. 
And now you're not just getting more money, you're getting quality of life. Like you said, being able to, to pick up your child from daycare, being able to feel less burnt out. You kind of, you took this step away from, I'm not just going to coach hour after hour until I'm dead. I'm going to figure out a way to make this work. And I get an option to try it. A lot of people still think, oh, I need an option. 30 minutes is not enough. I say, come try it. Just try one session. If you don't like it, we'll move it to an hour. And when they come in and try it, they're like, wow, I don't even think I can do it now. This 30 minutes is, or 35 minutes is way more than enough. Yes. And then, you know, the, the other thing is some people might listen to this and say, well, you know, I don't know if everybody is going to want to do that 30, 35 minute session or whatever it is they're thinking about trying. And, and that's a mistake we make in our head. I think a lot as trainers or as fitness business owners, we don't need everybody, right? You might need, you know, for Jay, for you to be happy, it might be 50 clients that are bought into that. It might be a hundred for someone else, whatever the number is, right? Depending on frequency and stuff, but you don't need everybody. You just need the people that are bought into your system and are going to give you the quality of life you want, the income you want. So it's so easy to be like, oh my God, how am I going to find, you don't, you don't need everybody, (laughs) you know? I still get calls, you know, I get calls from even a few of my old clients saying, hey, can I start back at 6 p.m. or 6.30 and like, Dude, I'm out of their way before that. You know, I gotta pick my kid up from school at two fifteen. So if you can't come before then, you know I can find somebody else for you. But I'm out there. So that's perfect segue. So now you're at a point where you're training and you have your income from training, but as a partner in the business, you're also renting out space to other trainers that you think can uphold the standard, can represent yes. the name. How did, how did you get to that decision? Um, I know when you were a trainer there, there were already other trainers. So was that business model in place? And have you changed it at all since you've been an owner? Um, I haven't changed. We haven't changed it much. It's still the same business model as it was when I was renting it. Um, but it's just when I was renting it, we had more trainers. So the rent that was coming in was way more than enough to pay the rent and the lights and, you know, water and music bill and internet bill and all of that, plus a profit, you know, but now since COVID, we lost a few trainers. So pretty much the rent space kind of pays everything where we even out and the profits, you know, that I make off my training, my business partner profits goes, you know, strictly in his pocket. So now the trainers that are in there are pretty much, you know, paying, the rent to where we don't have to come out of our pockets. Yeah. Back to that, you know, we're looking for other trainers to come in to supplement that income that we're missing as profit in our pockets. But the trainers that come in have to already have an established clientele. Because we get a lot of calls, but most people we get are looking for walk-ins or looking for us to feed them comments. You know, so we we tell them up front, you got to have an established clientele. This is monthly, you know, we charge, you know, if you can handle that, come on. If you can't, you know, call us back when you're ready. Yeah. And that was going to be um, another question I wanted to ask you. And you you kind of, you answered most of it. So if, if another trainer comes on board with you, you're not doing heavy marketing, you're not feeding them clients 
if you happen to have someone that comes to you and says, hey, Jay, I'm looking for X, Y, Z, and, and you can't take it or don't want to take it, you might pass it along. But for the most part, the trainers that are in your studio paying you rent are expected to run their business on their own. Yes. Most, the guys that are in there are well established. Like most of them, well, not most of them, all of them that are in there are totally booked. They don't have clients. So it's kind of when I do get a call in or do get a walk in, uh, my business, business partner stays pretty busy. He may take them. Um, but if not, I'll group them up, you know, because I'm pretty booked up. But if they want to go in, if they don't mind grouping up with another person, then we work it out that way. But uh, most of the time, you know, I, when I do try to pass them off, all of the other guys are totally booked. Like, hey, I'm booked. I can't take anybody else. I don't want anybody else. Yeah. Okay. So you have your training business. You're booked. Most of your clients are booked. Um, you have this facility. You're paying for it. You have an audience. You have your expertise. You know, when I talk to trainers, gym owners, um, coaches, you know, sometimes it does come up or it comes up often a lot now, even post COVID as people are trying to rebuild other revenue streams. So, you know, I'm talking to people who are selling nutrition programming, selling online programming, selling supplements. Have you got into any of those things as revenue streams that don't actually require you to do more hours in the gym? Yes. I'm currently online program that I can sell. Excuse me. It's a quick 20 and 20. 20 exercises, 20 minutes is for the busy stay-at-home moms, not the busy stay-at-home moms, but the busy working moms that don't have time or think they don't have time to come to a gym, but I'm currently working on a program that caters to them, but I do a few other things for, for revenue streams. You know, my wife, which is where I'm at now, um, she has her own studio, which is literally right across the street from my gym, where she does lashes, brows, she does all of that stuff. And the women line up, you know, come here. The bucket women line up to come here get the lashes done. And I also have a client that I met um, that was from India. Um, and we trained for several years. And he's an entrepreneur. He has a, he makes rugs. He makes rugs. So some of the big rugs you may see in hotels or rugs you may have in your house. He has a huge warehouse where he makes rugs and he sells those rugs to Home Depot, Walmart, Lowe's. So his rugs are all over. He's from India. And we became good friends, played tennis together, we trained together. And he asked if I want to go into the hair business. He was like, the hair business is big in Atlanta. You know, everybody wants hair. Everybody wears extensions. Um, and so in 2019, right before COVID hit, we both went to India and went to the temples, you know, he still has all his family still there. So we went, went to the temples, bought a bunch of hair from the Indian temples, bought it back. Um, and we started a hair business on the side where we would go to hair shows. Um, I got an Amazon store on Amazon that I sell hair on as well. Um, and we would go, well, I would go around to the different salons because he's not that, he doesn't, doesn't speak English that well. So I would go around to the different hair salons doing my off time or doing my downtime at the gym and, you know, give them cards and say, if you ever need hair, hair is the website, here's the business card. And COVID hit 
Like we went in 2019, you know, we spent, I think maybe $40,000. We bought maybe $40,000 of hair with a, you know, 67% markup we was going to make off that. And uh, COVID hit. And, you know, when COVID hit, salon shut down, you know, everything just came to a halt. So now I just run an Amazon business with that where I you know, sell it on Amazon, um, shipping out my stuff every day. So that's what I supplement with a little income on the side with that. Now, and I'm also working on this online workout program for 20 and 20. All right. So you, you got your hands in a few things there. Um, still working on, you know, getting back to, you know, maybe some, some good established trainers come in, you get back to where, you know, the, the facility has to what it used to be for other trainers. Um, what's, what's long-term plans look like for you, whether we're talking, you know, three, four, five years down the road, are you, are you going to stick to one facility? Have you thought about expanding? What does it look like as, after you recover, as you get back to where you were pre-COVID, any other plans to expand in the fitness space physically? Yes. Um, in the next four to five years, I won't be in the gym at all. You know, the gym will still run itself, but me personally being there, I won't be there. You know, working on a, here I'm, I'm in tennis for a bit, so I play tennis a lot. And one thing here that we don't have is an indoor tennis facility. And so one of my clients that I have, you know, he's a very wealthy guy. He was like, if you put the business model together, find the land, um, you know, the business plan, you know, I'll finance it. You know, I'll come in and finance it for you. So, you know, I got with my business partner and kind of told him about it. So we're working on building a bigger facility, indoor, indoor tennis sports and also have a gym attached to them as well. So that's coming in the near future. Um, it's just now, you know, I don't know how it is there, but you know, the real estate market is like at an all-time high. You know, land here that used to be in Buckhead, three, 400,000, now it's like 1.2, you know, 1.3 million. It's ridiculous, so. Yeah, the, it's, it's like, I don't wanna be in the gym in the next five, six years. I've been doing it, you know, 43, and I've been doing it since I was 27, 28 years old. Yeah. So, so move, yeah. moving more into that. Move, yeah, I didn't do Owner CEO space. Awesome, man. Well, we are uh, we're just about out of time, but I want to hit you with one more question before I let you go. Uh, you've been in the game a while. You've seen a lot of things come and go. If there was any one, uh, you know, piece of information, advice, uh, suggestion, something that you feel like other trainers could hear, hear, should know, something that you think has served you well for your time in the game, what would that be? Uh, just for any trainers out there that's trying to grow a business or even get into training, marketing. Marketing, marketing, marketing. Now it's changed. Now social media is a very powerful platform. Obviously, build up your following, without um, content that's you know, that everybody can relate to, you know, back when I started, it was more getting out, shaking hands, you know, meeting people, getting phone numbers, being in people's faces. But, you know, now since COVID hit, that kind of changed everything. Power social media is so powerful. So I would say, you know, put out positive content, um, grow your followers, and just market. 
just just have a one hundred percent hardcore marketing game. Yeah, you can't help people if they don't know you exist, right? So I agree. You got to have your marketing game right, and then if your product is good and your marketing is good, just just keep hitting repeat. Like I said, man, I was out there, you know, seven, eight hours a day passing out flyers. And all it took was me to meet that one person just in the right place at the right time and met that one person. And it was like a connection with spider where everything just fell in place after that. Awesome, man. Well, we are officially out of time here. Uh, for those of you listening, if you want to find out more, you want to check out buckheadelite.wixsite.com. Um, any other places they can find you online? Uh, Body That Works. B-O-D-Y-T-H-A-T-W-O-R-K-S. Body That Works. Uh, that's the Instagram. You know, if anybody want to go there and check it out. It's Perfect. Okay, sir. Well, I appreciate your time today. Thank you for being on with us. It's been a pleasure having you. And everybody out there listening, thank you. We appreciate your time. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes like this, click the subscribe button. We'll notify you when they drop. To everyone out there at Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard. Keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.